Welcome everyone, whether here in person or listening to this at a, at a future time in a podcast. Welcome to Essex Church, home of Kensington Unitarians. We meet here each week and at other times for worship to ponder life's great, great questions, to search for meaning and truth, and to celebrate our religious spiritual and secular diversity. My name's Janine, and as you know, I'm a member of this congregation, and I'll be leading the service whilst Sarah is away this week. Our service begins our theme for November of time and transience. And today we're marking yesterday's All Souls Day, which may touch some tender places in you, so please do what you need to in order to take care of yourself during this service. So let's settle ourselves here for this time and begin with some adapted words by fellow London Unitarian Minister, Andrew Pakula. Come into this circle of community Come into this sacred space. Be not tentative. Bring your whole self. Bring the joy that makes your heart sing. Bring your kindness and your compassion. Bring also your sorrow, your pain. Bring your brokenness and your disappointments. And in this shared hour, May we know the joy of wholeness. May we know the joy of being together. Our adapted chalice words are by Ben Sewell. He writes, We like this chalice, our symbol of our Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist faith knowing that this morning many others across this land and around the world are doing the same. For us and for our far-flung kin, it is a light of peace, of justice and of love. So let this flame ignite in us a sense of inner peace, a sense of hope for justice, and a sense of deep cradling love. We have um, a story now, and there are a couple of slightly differently translated versions of this parable found in Buddhist sacred texts. And although it's a story that we've told many times here, I think it carries such a profound truth told in a really touching way. It's called the parable of the mustard seed. There was once a woman called Kisa who lived during the time of Buddha's life when he had already achieved nirvana and was travelling to impart his teachings upon others. One day, Kisa's only child, a young son, died. 
In her sadness and grief, she carried him from neighbour to neighbour and begged for someone to give her medicine to bring him back to life. One of her neighbours told her to go to the Buddha, who was teaching nearby, and ask him if he knew of a way. Kisa found Buddha and pleaded with him to help bring her son back to life. He instructed her to go back to her village and gather mustard seeds from the households of those who had never been touched by the experience of death. And from those mustard seeds, he promised he would create a medicine to bring her son back to life. She felt relieved and rushed back to her village to ask her neighbours for mustard seeds. All of her neighbours were willing to give her mustard seeds, but they all told her that their households had been touched by the experience of death. As the day became evening and then night, Kisa was still without any of the mustard seeds that she'd been instructed to collect. She realised then what the Buddha's task was trying to teach her, that the experience of being bereaved is shared by all. With this new understanding, her grief was calmed. She buried her son in the forest and returned to Buddha She told Buddha that she could not find any of the mustard seeds he'd instructed her to collect because she couldn't find even one single house untouched by death. Through this experience, Kisa entered the first stage of enlightenment. She decided to become one of Buddha's disciples and it is said she went on to become the first female disciple to achieve nirvana the highest state of perfect peace, happiness, and enlightenment. And that's the parable of the mustard seed. So let us prepare our hearts, minds, and bodies for a time of prayer and reflection. Spirit of life and love, light within and without, mystery from which we have all emerged, within which we live and die. Be with us now as we allow ourselves to drop into the silence and stillness at the centre of our being. As people of faith, we seek to live in a spirit of love, a community of justice and peace. And yet, in so many corners of the world, both far and near, we see divisiveness and hate. If we look deep within ourselves, perhaps we will even find those shadow energies there too. We struggle to respond to the outer world and our inner dramas in ways that manifest love. 
At times we may fear that love will not be strong enough. At times we, we may question whether love really is at the root of all things in this world with so much struggle and suffering and discord. As we turn our minds back to the stories shared by our beloved community of concerns and of celebrations, we think of those things which are happening in our world, the people and places in need of our loving thoughts and prayers today. And so in a few moments of silence, let us silently send those prayers and compassionate thoughts to those who need them now. We may struggle to hold on to our faith in love, knowing that if all things come from the one source we proclaim, that source must somehow hold hate as well as love, violence as well as peace, evil as well as good. This is the mystery within which we live and die. These are the questions that haunt our days and nights, and yet we are not without hope. Our struggles, our prayers and our questions testify to our longing for peace, for love. In the stillness and silence of our own heart, we read the imprint of love, created not by our own will, but planted there for us to discover. By what or whom we cannot know, and yet it is there. A clue, a talisman, a beacon, a light within. May it keep hope alive, even as we dwell in mystery. May it guide us all as we seek to act wisely and well. May it help us to be vessels of compassion to one another and for our world. So may it be. Amen. This reading by Unitarian Universalist chaplain Elizabeth Harding reflects on the value gained from a hospice patient's life being acknowledged and remembered. Patricia was our hospice patient for three years. She had lung cancer. And by the time I got to know her, she had beaten all odds. Patricia was extraordinarily blunt and independent and quirky. At one point, she even fired as many hospice team members as she could manage, including me, the chaplain. 
When Patricia was nearing the end of her life, her son Richard came to Chicago. He didn't believe it at first, but slowly he understood that Patricia was at the end of her road. After she died, Patricia's neighbour came to me and said, we need to acknowledge Patricia's life, but Richard doesn't want a memorial service. The we she was talking about were Patricia's friends and neighbours, all of whom had pitched in to take care of her and had grown to love her. They were sad. They needed to share their love for Patricia with each other and get to know Richard before he returned to his life out of state. Patricia's neighbour and I agreed that she would round up Patricia's friends and the other neighbours and would put out some drinks and food in Patricia's condo. I would leave a lead a time of sharing. I began the evening by lighting a candle. I read some poetry I knew Patricia would like, then shared what I knew of Patricia's life, a eulogy of sorts, inviting people to share their favourite stories about her. We closed the evening with more poetry and then I blew out the candle. Afterwards, Richard approached me. Thank you, he said. I didn't know I needed that. Remembering is the art of holding a memory and sharing it. It's drawing upon that memory so it can help us to grow into people who live lives of meaning and service. As a practice, remembering connects us deeply to each other and to the love that sustains us. Richard may forget the content of the stories he heard. He may forget the names of his mother's friends. He won't forget that Patricia loved him or that she was loved. Love showed up when Richard was feeling bereft and held him close.
We have some words by Rabbi Rami Shapiro, which will lead into a time of shared silence. And as always, feel free to reflect on the words or allow your mind to attend to the thoughts or the stillness that it needs. Our silent time will be ended by some chimes from our Tibetan bowl. So for now, I invite you to get comfortable in your chairs. Put down anything you don't need. Soften your gaze or close your eyes. Maybe put your feet on the floor. Whatever helps you to relax and to go within. We are loved by an unending love. We are embraced by arms that find us even when we are hidden from ourselves. We are touched by fingers that soothe us, even when we are too proud for soothing. We are counselled by voices that guide us, even when we are too embittered to hear. We are loved by an unending love. We are supported by hands that uplift us, even in the midst of a fall. We are urged on by eyes that meet us, even when we are too weak for meeting. We are loved by an unending love. Embraced, touched, soothed and counselled. Ours are the arms, the fingers, the voices. Ours are the hands, the eyes, the smiles. We are loved by an unending love.
As we acknowledge All Souls Day, I want to share a few thoughts about love in times of sorrow that will lead us into our optional candle lighting ritual. Loss is something relatable to all, even if not having experienced a personal bereavement. Loss can come in many forms, be it an end of a relationship, loss of a home, a job, or something else we prized, valued, or held dear. And then, of course, there's the loss through the death of a loved one. Different losses can feel different, but in all those times, the love and care shown to us or by us matters greatly. The reading we heard by chaplain and UU minister Elizabeth Harding recounting the story of what happened after a patient, Patricia, had died, outlines that although her son didn't want a memorial service, her neighbours and friends wanted to do something, and that by having an informal gathering, it fulfilled a need for all of them including Patricia's son Richard, a need he hadn't even been aware that he had. They came together to remember Patricia, her life, and in sharing their memories of her, they shared the love they had for her too. The quote on your order of service by psychotherapist Joyce Martyr is taken from a HuffPost article she wrote about life lessons learnt from her own experiences of loss and bereavement and from counselling others. She writes, Love is the currency of life. In our culture, we place far too much value on achievement, money, possessions and beauty. Love is what matters and what is remembered. It is love that connects us to one another and to the world around us in life and beyond. End quote. The love we hold for someone still continues after they've gone. And it is the love from others which helps us continue on as we adapt to the new reality after losing someone or something. And it is the love we give to others who are going through sorrow that not only helps them through, but reminds us that when we face difficult times, we'll find a way through too. Such love can be shown as simply as sitting with someone in their time of grief, offering a listening ear, making or receiving a hot drink. Simple acts which can bring a much longed-for moment of comfort and solace. The words which led us into our meditation tells of an unending love, a love which is tangible and flows through the actions of each to the other. We are urged on by the eyes that meet us. We are touched by the fingers that soothe us. We are counselled by the voices that guide us. 
We are supported by the hands that uplift us. We are embraced by the arms that find us. We are loved by an unending love. Rabbi, Rabbi Rami Shapiro's words there. Going back to our reading, something else important happened. In gathering together, Patricia's friends and neighbours remembered that they weren't alone with their feelings and in their grieving. The Buddhist parable at the beginning of this service of the mustard seed points out that experiencing sorrow is a universal thing, that bereavement and grief touches us all at some point in our lives. Every household, whether rich or poor, old or young, educated or uneducated, indigenous dweller or journeyed migrant. Helen Keller's much-used quote tells of the same thing. We bereaved are not alone. We belong to the largest company in all the world. Words by Helen Keller. So let us not suffer alone. In our griefs, turmoils, suffering and times of pain, let us reach out to one another and acknowledge that as part of this mysterious, often uncertain and inexplicable existence, we are in this together. And even if we have nothing else, we can offer our love to help each other through. And so, with our togetherness in mind, I invite you, if you wish, to take part in our simple candle lighting ritual. There are some tea lights around the outside of the table, and if you wish, you can light one in silence or while saying the name or names of the people you are remembering today. When all who have wanted to have lit a candle, I'll say again a version of the words by Joyce Martyr to bring our ritual to a close. Love is the currency of life. It is love that connects us to one another and to the world around us in life and beyond. As our time together draws to a close and your attention turns to the world outside, let us not leave what we have found here, whether that be a calmness over a troubled mind, a comfort across an aching heart, a sense of companionship to ease the loneliness, a glimmer of light pointing to our own deep truth inside, or a connection to something bigger, something special or sacred to you. 
May you take what you have found here and as you journey through your week, have the courage, strength and compassion to share it with those whom you meet along the way. May you go in peace and blessed be. Amen.